Hey everyone, hey internet. So welcome to Hey CTO podcast. This is the second season. And today we have Diogo Guerra from Pizzai. We are going to have the chance to get to know him. Welcome, Diogo. Thank you. Uh, and uh, happy to be here, Sara and Pedro. Thank you for the invitation. Our pleasure. I know that Pedro already know you, but me and the rest of our listeners don't know you <laughs> probably yet. Maybe, so yes, can you maybe tell no. us? Maybe, know. yeah, we don't know. So could you tell us a bit uh, about yourself? Sure. So um, I'm uh, Diogo Guerra. I'm the SVP of Engineering at Fidzai. I live in Coimbra, in Portugal. So not in Lisbon, not in Porto. Uh, it's also possible to uh, <laughs> be successful in, in other cities in, in Portugal. I have a son, a four-year-old, uh, that basically breaks my brain a lot of, a lot of times. I'm a CrossFit addicted as well for, uh, for the ones that, uh, that like uh, sports. Sara, 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 Sara is into that. Yes, I'm another one. <laughs> yep, every day. <laughs> and uh, and I like also uh, traveling, uh, cars. Uh, I like cars a lot. And in the end, I'm an I'm engineering at heart, and I like to um, to work on on distributed systems and reliability and performance. That's my geeky side. And that's it. It's it's me in a, in a nutshell. Oh, and Fidzai. Could you uh, elaborate that a bit more? What's Fidzai? What's the challenge that you're trying to, to solve? Yeah, sure. So Fidzai, we have been evolving ourselves, right? As I would say, any company in the in the market. And today, what we what we aim to do is to transform how basically commerce and uh, and money moves around the world by basically protecting. Uh, the the transactions and protecting people from not only fraud but also uh, as we have entered a few a few years back on the um, anti money laundering side where I would say it's actually even more important even that the financial losses are not as as big the thing is behind money laundering there's uh, human trafficking there is uh, drug uh, drug trafficking. Uh, arms trafficking, and uh, that's also a, a very cool, a very cool side of, of what we do by basically helping and finding um, organiz organizational crime, and uh, and be able to help banks and other financial institutions to uh, to stop it. Super cool! Like you really can't get a much better purpose than that. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, tell us one thing. Well, I, I I kind of know your story, which is great. You know, but if someone takes a look to, to LinkedIn, um, one can see that there is definitely a, a strong connection, you know, between you, Diogo, and also at least two of the co-founders of Fidzai, uh, you know, Paulo and Pedro. I think you're all from Coimbra. Um, yeah. can, can you tell us a little bit about the story of how how all that started? You know, I think that you, it was kind of, you know, so, so you, you were doing some study with, with, uh, with Pedro supervising it, I think, or it was Paulo. And then kind of all of a sudden you're, you're three of you kind of you know working together so can you can you share a little bit more about that that adventure that is today feeds out to sure. yeah actually it started uh, way back so i usually say that uh I've, i literally spend more time with paulo than with my with my wife uh, <laughs> so, uh and and i'm with my wife already for uh for 10 years so 
Wow. Um, actually, Paulo was uh, was the first of the the three co-founders that I've uh, that I've uh, met first. He was actually professor right in the in the first year of of the university. Then probably the third year as well, um, and then uh, by the by the end of the um, of the masters. And with Pedro, it was uh, I think the first time on the fourth year already on the on the masters. And then he basically invited me to um, to to do a, a, the master thesis with with him, and uh, he had a, a cool idea with an investigator from Oracle in uh, in California, um, which then led to uh, us submitting the prize here in Portugal uh, at the time. Uh, this is for the, the dinosaurs, uh, the, the prize that was Beige Universal that we won. Uh, it was actually the first time that uh, a computer science project um, won that that prize, and at the time, basically, they uh, they had a, a number of students that were doing the the master thesis with them, uh, different topics. Actually, most of the topics then converged to uh, in some way to to feed uh, mm -hmm. but it were like five or six students doing the the master thesis with with them. And, and basically, they invited all of us to uh, to join this uh, this challenge. And actually, uh, Bizarro was smart enough. He said, "Hey, I know you probably will get an offer from uh, from Oracle, but I know how these things work. Uh, they will take some time. You probably need to pay your bills. So why don't you join us? And then um, I know that we we'll, we won't be able to compete." But meanwhile, if it, this takes six months, nine months, you uh, at least you have uh, a way to, to pay your bills. I said, okay, let's uh, let's see. And nine months later, I actually got the, that offer from Oracle. But I was already, let's say, uh, bought into the the idea and the, the dream of of the company, which we were trying to know what we what we would be doing. But actually. We were just trying to find. We, we had a technology. We were trying to find what we what we would be doing. We were not at all in, in fraud in the fraud space or AML, and um, but there was always this focus of we want to be a worldwide company. We don't want to be local. Oh, wow. we, either we go big or go home, and that was always the 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 way that the three co-founders. Uh, thought about the company. And I, and I think actually that's still preserves today. And I would say probably 13 years ago, we, we were uh, a bit naive, uh, me especially, for sure. And um, but but always this this mindset of we want to be uh, big, we want to be uh, the, the best in our in our space pushed us in a, in a way that we could do uh, more than we, we would expect. And, um, and here we are, we are today after basically 13 years and uh, 650 people uh, and of course uh, growing and actually accelerating our, our growth. I was actually looking, uh, I think it was two years back, we did this, uh, this thing in 2010. Uh, so basically the first year we started the company on the first on the first um, dinner of, of the company, we were like six or seven people. So we did <laughs> a, a thing like, let's do a time capsule. And we all wrote small papers on 
how much do we think the company would would grow in people in revenue and as you as you might know a bunch of engineers uh, out of 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 the college uh, just trying to to guess these things and again it's 13 years ago you wouldn't be talking about unicorns or money sure. raised and, and so on in portugal and i think at the time uh the best guess we we had was the company would grow up to 150 people and that was actually the wow. the outlier i think there was no bet above 75 people and <laughs> wow. uh, and again today we are we are here with this with this size and uh and, and still growing I was going Crazy. to about to ask how, how what were your expectations in the beginning, but it seems that you wrote it down into 2010, right? Yeah, we we did it we did it in a uh, in a very naive way. <laughs> it, it, it's it was very cool because then Paulo uh, again ten years later he, he actually uh, picked up I don't know if he if he put a, an alarm or not, but he. he, he he picked up the photo of all of the papers, so it's not it was not a physical time capsule. It was a uh, a photo of all those papers, and he brought it back uh, to to us and emailed. Of course, some of some of us, some of the engineers were were not there uh, at the time, but uh, it was very cool that we saw the actual picture of small papers, everyone writing down people and and revenue and. Uh, and again, it's 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 cool to, to look back and say we were so naive at the time, but actually we completely surpassed uh, the, the expectations. And, and tell us something. So the, like, you're you're not part of of the of the co-founder team, but you're pretty much like you know employee number in this case like four or four or or, or five. Mm -hmm. And you've been at at Fidzai the entire journey, right? You probably started as you know a regular software engineer and you just went you know your way up to become an svp of engineering how hard was that like did you see that you needed to and this is this is a tricky question because it's quite complex what i'm asking but did you see yourself reinventing every now and then to you know to adjust to the company and you know because when i see then all of a sudden becomes you know a leader of people and an svp and there is expectations investors how was that kind of you know personal journey for you in uh in, at, yeah at so so basically uh, well actually i'm an svp since 2012 which uh, again uh, it's something that you do because you were try trying to target big banks and for the ones that don't know basically big banks everyone is a vp right so okay vp <laughs> Uh, a, bit, a regular engineer can be a VP, right? Uh, it's something, yeah. something weird, but uh, but it actually happens. So when you go and you pitch to to a customer, you take the CEO, the CTO, and at least you need to take a, a take a VP. So uh, I'm actually an SVP since uh, 2012. <laughs> uh, however, cool. at the time I was an SVP, but an engineer, and we were five, right? And uh, today I, I still hold the exact same uh, the exact same title. But uh, again, with a completely different uh, set of responsibilities, 150 people, and uh, under my, my my management is not just developers; is operation, uh, is is IT and security and so on. And uh, actually, sometimes if you change the role, it forces you to rethink. Uh, with me, it was slightly different, right? It's the role yeah. never changes, the title never changes. You are not forced to do something different. But but of course the uh, what you are doing on a daily basis it, it actually changes and 
there have been some times, especially I would say, not when moving to manager, but to manager of managers, where you start to think, okay, is this really what you want? Then you start looking at this is growing. Am I going to be the guy that it's here for uh, when you are 100 people, when you are 150 people, 200, 300? And it's still, I still question myself, right? Is uh, Am I the guy that will be able to, uh, to take the engineering team to 500 people? I actually don't know. And but I'm I'm still happy, right? Uh, that's 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 for me the 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 gauge of should I be doing what I'm doing or not is first, of course, uh, the feedback that I get from the from the founders and the, and from the the management. And second, am I happy? Uh, do I wake up excited to to do what I uh, what I do? And I still do. That's the. That's also what then leads me to adjust, to change, uh, to to do something different, and definitely uh, today with uh, with all of these people under uh, under my my guidance and, and leadership, it's it's completely different than uh, when I started as an SVP of of five people only. <laughs> no, unreal. No, unreal journey. Wow. Yeah. Uh, how was that transition? So, at that time of only five people, uh, but still, with, well. You didn't change the role, but you mentioned that the responsibilities change. And at some point, you probably stopped to be someone more hands-on, to be someone with more management responsibilities. Do you remember that transition? How it was, the challenges, the things that you noticed that change? Well, it has been a huge struggle for me. And I've been, I think that's actually one of the, the things that keeps me, let's say, growing, but still happy is I still find some things that I'm hands-on, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm proud to basically or, or to, to basically get people in that can help me uh, and do things better than, than I do. So um, basically there are some things that I'm completely hands-off and there are other things that I still uh, am a bit hands-on. For example, I actually stopped uh, about... 18 months ago, but I was actually doing on-call. I was part of the rotation, on-call rotation. If something broke on 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 our core products, uh, I would be on the on-call rotation, and then it's it's it. You wake up at 4 a.m. or 2 a.m. There is something that is broken. It's down, and there is no one else to uh, to help you. Right? It's uh, product in our case is the the last line of of defense. Right? Uh, we have yeah. three levels of of support. Uh, I was on the on the third level, and at that time, it's like either you fix it or you change code, and and that's it. And, and I always did it because, not because I needed, but it 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 would give me the 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 raw truth of okay, how is the product working? How are the engineering's doing things? How is the code evolving? Because of course, I, I'm not able anymore to go and do code reviews and and so on. Sure, but at least. I don't know, uh, once every two months, uh, I would be on call. Sometimes it was harsh and and, and have uh, a few nights where you wouldn't sleep, but you just keep going and, and that's it. But actually that gave me a lot of good insights. Uh, and, and I would say it would still feed the geek on, on me. And then other parts on, again, as I said in the beginning, on the, on the performance side, on the reliability, I'm still very... Um, connected with the teams that deal with it. Uh, and I still do a lot of uh, advisory in, in that sense. So 
it has been very gradual in that sense. I, I, I feel that I get pushed to, okay, I can't spend uh, enough time anymore for this and that. And, and I evolve and I try to find basically what is the, the other thing that, uh, that excites me then and that keeps my, uh, let's say, engineer at heart uh, still, uh, still alive. But, but definitely today is, is getting more and more challenging. But the way that I, let's say, offset that is you, you build the teams to be completely autonomous. So you don't need to completely oversee. Uh, you, you basically trust your, uh, your VPs, your directors, whatever. And you need to create the environment that they will bring the challenges to you. And you need to trust that you don't need to, to be micromanaging them. Uh, you just basically wait, let's say, for, for them to, uh, to ask for help. Of course, you, you follow up and, and so on. But it's more about uh, the guidance and trusting people to uh, ask for help instead of trying to micromanage it. And, and you, do you consider, now that you mentioned that, do you consider that being an engineer since the beginning and being in touch in the, with the technical details of the product is, in, is an advantage for the, the role that you have nowadays? There are definitely advantages and disadvantages, right? <laughs> I was going to ask <laughs> <Okay>. that exactly. <laughs> I, I, would say, I would say that I prefer to be aware of the, the disadvantages and work on them. In, uh, and again, the mo usually the disadvantage is that you have the tendency to, to jump in, you have the tendency to, uh, to help people, and, and you probably prioritize more, let's say, critical things in how can you, can you help people. But actually, that also motivates a, a lot of people. I, I would say that at Fidzai, we we have a lot of challenges and the, the type of engineers that we brought in are, let's say, addictive uh, in some way to challenges. And, and it's very good uh, for, for the team to know that not only the peers, but also the leadership understands them and, uh, mm. and, and can even be, in many cases, um, the, the guys that, that they can go and, and, and be their, their rubber ducks, as you call it. And, and they know that if they talk to you, they can actually, uh, the leadership understands them. So I think in that sense, it, it helps a lot. And, and, and again, it's, we are in a, in a market, I usually say that we, we chose likely the, the, the worst bundle of challenges in the sense of we deal with uh, real-time systems, we deal with, um, with a lot of data sure. and big data. Uh, it's also very critical and in the sense that we deal with a lot of very big customers, right? Um, it's, it, and they have a lot of leverage in the end uh, on us. It's not like your average customer uh, spends 50K or 100K. It's usually on the millions. And with that comes a lot of expectations. So it's like a, a bundle where all of the challenges are there. And uh, and then it's it's important for you to be able even many times on escalations and so on you are able to be on the table and that people actually uh, recognize and uh, and respect you not only from a management perspective but also from a technical knowledge and technical management perspective and is how how scary it is to you know so because you were in the beginning and probably you knew the entire code base and I'm risking to say that, you know, today there is definitely an interesting portion of that code base that you don't 
ever maybe even took you know a serious look at it. Is it like super scary to know you know that your system grew so much that uh, you know there are actually parts that if you would be on call you could actually be in trouble. But you know, but it's pretty much almost like being a victim of your own success because things just grow. Did did you already make peace with that, or do you tend to struggle yeah, that, with that idea? I would say probably four four five years ago was that time when. Again, you are no longer coding. Uh, yeah. You probably do a, a pull request. I usually, every time I would be on call, I would do a pull request uh, to improve something uh, small and, and something uh, that, that I believe it would help on, on, on the next uh, situation. But definitely uh, not knowing a lot of the, of the code base was uh, not, not on the on-call side because I always been uh, the... the the type of guy that that was able to get to a, a piece of code and and quickly help other people debug and and so on. Uh, I've uh, I, I'm bad at other other things, but I would say that was one of the the good things when I was engineer. I, I was quickly able to understand other code and and, mm -hmm. and reason about it. But actually, from a management perspective or technical management perspective, that was more scary. On on the sense of, at some point, you don't even know. Not the overall architecture, but the low-level architecture of, of of your services, and of course, in the core, uh, the core components that we built back in the days, it's still a lot of things are still very similar. But there have been a number of them that I never, I, I didn't even open the source code, right? Um, and, and in that case, it's like, yeah, it's it's definitely scary, and, <laughs> uh, and then it's it's about you do some questions uh, and. And basically, you start using that as uh, as a way to get more comfort. It doesn't mean that your questions are are going to bulletproof your uh, your architecture or, or software. But then it's about are you bringing the team? Do you trust the team? Uh, and, and sure, exactly. How fast, how fast can you trust them? I think that's that's also something that was very different ten years ago. And now it's you had a lot more time to be able to trust someone. And nowadays. Uh, with the with the growth that we that we have, you don't have enough time to to build that that trust relationship. So you need to force it. You need to um, also to uh, to take some risks. No, no, for sure. And one thing that you that we we spoke so almost thirteen years of of history uh, at Fidzai. Um, if and obviously you can take some time to think if you don't have you know kind of the answers top of mind, but could. What sort of kind of, you know, two, maybe three moments that definitely when you stop to think about, you still have, you know, kind of, you know, goosebumps, butterflies, kind of like moments that really kind of are, you know, uh, unforgettable in terms of, of the Fidzai uh, history. Do you, could, could you name like two or three or is it be yeah. unfair? So there have been many, let's say there are more that the rush was all there, mostly I'll say incidents and and or, or situations where you where you where you go live for the first time and, and so on. But I would choose two or three that are more like of landmarks. Even when uh, mm -hmm. I have a ba very bad memory, uh, good let's say photographic memory, but I, I have a, a very bad memory, which I think it it helps. I think it's the human way of of, of protecting yourself for the things that. You <laughs> But, but when I look back, I think definitely 2014, um, we, we, we did a, a, basically the pivot for, for fraud, uh, some uh, 
one or two years before that. But in 2014, in basically four months, we landed our three biggest customers at the time. Um, and, and we were doing a few deals, uh, again, in Portugal uh, and, and, and small things in, in different space. And suddenly in basically four months, we closed uh, Reliance in India. Uh, we closed First Data, which is our um, still one of our biggest customers, which is the largest payment processor in the world. Uh-huh. And um, and also another big bank in the in the US, and all of this in in three months, which then led to Paulo moved to India, me and uh, and uh, and Bizarro and Pedro Barata moved to the US. Basically, each one to uh, support one of these these customers and, and make sure that we didn't uh, we didn't fall. So that definitely was uh, I would say the proof. Of, of let's say the feeds eye as we as we shifted to or we found our uh, product market fit then 2017 i think it's it was a very important moment for us in, in the sense of where we are today it was the first time where we we sold uh, in this case for lloyd's bank our uh, our service in the cloud right and because we have been, and even uh, and, and until uh, until recently, we have been building software that you would uh, ship to the customer, and they would operate on their uh, on their on their on their data centers. Which, for today's world, it seems very weird, right? But it's it's still how many banks work. Sure. And uh, at the time, 2017, absolutely no one would believe that you could do a large bank. Uh, not only in the cloud, but operated by yourself in a in a sales uh, in a sales way. Uh, so that definitely changed our way because we were 100% on-prem, and uh, I think it it opened the eyes that hey guys, this is actually possible. You can do this, uh, and this uh, basically leads me to the second. Uh, I would say this would be uh, a smaller one, but the second one is by the end of 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 2020. We were able to actually get the support of of the leadership of Nuno of the board to will go fully SaaS um, in a world where basically all of our competitors don't have more than five or ten percent of customers in this model. We basically one year after we are uh, our large majority of customers in is operating in a in a SaaS world. Um, so it's Fizai Cloud uh, fully operated this way. Being the fintechs, being the uh, the very large uh, banks that we that we operate, and that is completely changing the way that uh, the company is right. Because you change the way you develop, you change the way you sell, uh, you change the way you support it. Uh, it it's a completely different uh, company. So I think those uh, first when we sold uh, and we saw okay, there is definitely a market here, uh, and these were not like small contracts; were, were very large contracts. And uh, and then this shift because I think it will be uh, how we we still keep the edge on on the market itself. Well, and again back to the this whole journey of thirteen years. So another difference it's the size of the team, right? <laughs> that yep. you also saw saw it uh, growing. Any tips? For, for who is watching these episodes to grow a team? Any criteria that you always kept in mind while hiring new people to, to help growing the team? 
I would say that that has been one of the biggest challenges that we have faced because we always been very, I wouldn't say picky or strict, but definitely very demanding of the skills that we have on the team, both on the cultural side as well as on the, on, on the technical side. And at some point it becomes, it becomes a blocker for you, right? Um, and, and the challenge for us was you start to relax, especially on the technical side, and we still have those challenges. And especially in Portugal for, uh, for the, the size of, of, of challenges that we have, the size of, of data that we would deal, there were not many companies that, uh, that would be dealing with, with that type of, of scale. And uh, of course, it's easy to say, okay, go to Google, go to Facebook, any tech company, and they are a thousand times bigger in terms of the data that they handle. That's definitely right. And, and actually, the, the, the solutions that they have probably won't, won't work for us because it doesn't make sense. And, and, and that has been a, a real struggle. So we always kept focus on the curiosity of people, uh, the, the way that people wanted to, to grow. And actually have been until recently much more of a company that grows people than you go and you hire the top senior talent and uh, and you try to to build a company based on that and definitely that has been especially over the past three four years with the market completely hot and and and, and changing how do you balance your responsibility let's say as a manager and in the end there is a, a business running the market can be completely uh, let's say completely speculated but in the end you need to to be responsible and uh, one thing is you are responsible for 5 10 20 people another thing is you are responsible as a company for 650 750 1000 yeah. people and, and then you start seeing uh, examples of layoffs and so on. And that has been always uh, since day one, one of the, the drivers of the, uh, of the three co-founders is we prefer to grow slower, but we will never want to uh, fire people because we are uh, running out of money. Uh, we respect a lot. We prefer to go slower than, uh, than be uh, irresponsible, let's say. Uh, I'm not saying irresponsible, but be, let's say, more aggressive uh, and then having those, those consequences. So definitely that trade-off of you want the best talent, uh, the market is very hot, you want to, to be responsible, has been very, uh, very challenging. The way that you try to make sure is you, you want your engineers and your managers to be able to be comfortable of working and wanting to work with that person and you want to see that these guys basically want to learn and are able to learn if you are able able to learn and, uh, and you have the right mindset you uh, you definitely can uh, can strive uh, at fitzai and i would say at, at any company no for sure for sure and t- tell me one thing um Throughout your career, I'm pretty sure that you had like tons of learnings, uh, things that you did remarkably well, maybe some things that didn't go exactly like you would expect. Um, what sort of advice could you give to your younger self, you know, when you were kind of, you know, starting the journey, you were like, you know, the five of the six, you were kind of writing <laughs> what you thought the company was to kind of grow, you know, if you could actually send a message back, um, what, what advice would that be to your younger self? So 
it, it's always hard because it's it's like uh, it's like when you are teaching your kids, right? It doesn't matter <laughs> many times you tell them they will never never listen because you need to go through some of the the situations. Indeed. So one of the things was, uh, and I think especially uh, for the ones that have worked with me, uh, I have a bit of let's say of a, an image of being uh, very uh, harsh and uh, and aggressive. Um, I, I usually it's hard to distinguish that part, but I usually use um, uh, a quote that actually it's 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 from uh, that Bizarro uses a lot, which is. Uh, be hard on problems, be soft on people. And, and, and many times it's it's hard when you are being hard on the problem that people understand that you are being harsh with them, right? Uh -huh, and, I see. <laughs> uh, and there are, there are different ways to communicate. There are different ways to be uh, harsh on, on problems and soft on people. So I'll, I would say definitely that part is uh, is something that I've learned uh, over the over the, the time. Especially, of course, as, as becoming a manager and then uh, manager of managers and, and leader, uh, that significantly changes what you need to, to communicate to, to people. And sometimes when you are always uh, trying to fix things and you are trying to get better and always get better, it's easy for you to focus, uh, let's say, only on the bad things um, because those are the things that you need to fix, right? Sure. Definitely that part and the recognition and the way that you communicate is something that. I, I I would wish, uh, let's say, to to be better uh, early on in the in the career, and probably on the technical side. I think we always have very strong opinions on we don't want to be hyped or uh, go with the with the trends. And I think that was, I wouldn't say a, a mistake, but I think we overlooked uh, the way that. We looked at our architecture and how all of the trend of cloud native and microservices was emerging because we always looked at it as this should solve a technical problem. Uh, but actually, as we grow, especially for the growth side, I think microservices and uh, in a different way to, uh, to basically develop software actually solves people's problems and not actually technical problems, right? Is how can you enable teams to scale? How can yeah. you uh, reduce communication across teams and dependencies? So definitely that part, uh, we always looked at it as, okay, this this won't solve any of the technical problems that we have. Uh, it, it also works, but it's not going to be better. Uh, but definitely for, uh, for, the, um, for the people growth and how can you set up more teams and enable faster growth. That's definitely uh, a change that uh, I would say I would, uh, I would start early on, even that, uh, that we have evolved the product and, and then we are moving now into, into that direction. Very good point. Very good point. Mm, it's always good to get these insights of someone that already went through the whole journey. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think Let's move to the some final questions. Uh, yeah. I, will, I will continue talking, but well, <laughs> we are yeah. limited on time. Uh, Peter, do you want to start with the first one? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, so this pretty much like the, like the three questions that we're going to ask you. You know, so um, yeah. this one I actually I really love to ask because it's like super unexpected. Usually, what you can get out of, of that, um, and I really don't know exactly what to answer when people ask me that. So it's kind of a little bit of unfair. So sorry, Diogo, uh, but. <laughs> My question uh, I have 
for you to right now is what do you believe that is your superpower? Actually, that's that question is as I said, it's, it's always very challenging, mm -hmm. and, and it's actually the type of thing that I don't do that specific question on interviews, but there's there's always different ways of trying to get what you are better at and, and so on. Yeah. Uh, and as you know, I've basically all my career has been at uh, at Fidzai, so it's not that I've uh, that I've done a lot of of interviews. So, but I actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, uh, I actually think about that. Is like I'm doing all of these questions, but how should I, uh, how should I answer them? And, and I actually think by my best skill, and some 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 people would say it's my worst skill, but is to do questions. Um, mm, I think super interesting. I think being able to um, to question people is is the best way to to get let's say the, the best out of them so many times i i know that i i can't do better but i know it's not good enough right and uh, and many times by being able to challenge people by doing questions uh making people looking at things in a, in a different way we can actually get to a, to a better outcome and a better solution which i would never i would never be able to get it by myself but but i think i've i've developed this uh this this skill of constantly questioning people questioning and uh trying to make them see in a different way uh, look at different perspectives why don't you try this way why don't you uh, go that way and in the end the solution is probably not what i've questioned them or or how i i, I drive I drove them but uh, but definitely uh, comes out of uh, or a completely different uh, different way and, and i think it also helps people to find skills or or uh, or abilities that they uh, they usually um, are not as uh, as aware no for sure i, I definitely That's believe that you know knowing the questions that should be asked is way more important than having the answer because knowing which questions to ask will always get you to the answer that that you know that is there for you. Knowing an answer doesn't mean that you will know the next answer. And no, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely, very good. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> that good one. That, that actually next. even even relates to that part of does it help to be an engineer or not? I think that's uh, one of the one of the parts where it actually helps a lot. Is mm. you can still you can still make uh, certain questions you know the business you know how the customers uh, operate and you can still do uh, a lot of questions especially on the on the technical side mm -hmm. yeah good point let's go for the second one now remove any limits you can think anything that you <laughs> that you would like to do imagine that you could have any job title it could be for one day, just for some some hours. But what do you would like to see yourself doing? That's a very <laughs> difficult one. I actually we did an exercise a few years back of who you wanted to be. Uh, this was actually uh, it was within Fidzai, but who do you wanted to be uh, within Fidzai? And I actually. I was not able to find something better than than I do. I really love what I what I do, but if you are on the let's say on the um, on the game of let's try different titles uh, with uh, let's say with random names and so on, 
I'm uh, I'm also a fan of of TV shows of emergency services, so like firefighters or uh, or uh, or so. I I would say the uh, the, the battalion chief uh, in the sense of you are the the guy that needs to keep this thing running. Uh, but in the end, if you uh, if you need to jump in, you need to go into into a fire, and you you leave no one behind. Um, that's usually how uh, how I work. Right? Is it's not that I'm putting out a fire, but uh, customers are always the the most important thing for us, uh, and you don't don't leave someone behind. Just again, it's their responsibility to fix it. But uh, you know, in the end, you need to to support. So if you need to go in, uh, you need to be awake. You need to uh, open your uh, your ID and help debug or uh, or whatever it is. Uh, you do it. So uh, I usually uh, see it in that uh, in that way, and uh, and I like that 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 type of, of analogy. Very well. Interesting. Um, last one. First to finish, uh, and knowing that you're into CrossFit, so I'm pretty sure that you're super <laughs> thoughtful about calories and weight and stuff. You already, you know, you already, you know, you live in Portugal. You already lived in the United States, like you mentioned. I'm pretty sure you probably already had an opportunity to go to India, also to you know, for working purposes. Tell us about desserts. Tell us, you know, kind of desserts that you really appreciate. Uh, you know, of, from all this journey of, of traveling and, and working in different places. So let me actually tell you why I started CrossFit, and uh, one of the there were two reasons. One for health reasons, uh, my my back, my uh, my neck. Uh, sometimes they, they were hurting, but the other reason was I should be able to eat whatever I want. And, uh, and basically, <laughs> strategy. relatively uh, relatively uh, fit. So. I'm actually biggest fan of, of Portuguese food and, and desserts especially. So I live in Coimbra, so uh, conventional sweets uh, mm. or desserts are, are definitely one of my specialties. And I really, let's say, suffer when I go abroad, uh, in general about food, right? But I would probably say, uh, again, the, probably the, the, the time I spent more uh, was the US and i'm still to find uh, good cheesecake than here in portugal um and it might be you can probably find it most of many places but cheesecake definitely uh if, if you ask me the the flavor probably uh, lemon or key lime cheesecake definitely my my favorite and it's very unlikely that i go to the us uh, and i don't get a a, a piece of, of cheesecake and about desserts, some of the countries don't. I don't think actually. I think we have a very good standard in Portugal, right? <laughs> so, uh, but definitely probably Italy with uh, panna cotta and uh, uh, an ice cream or gelato. Uh, definitely good ones uh, that I still have here in Portugal. But get them there. It's uh, it's definitely different. Um, I to be honest, I, I I don't remember other countries where desserts were. The thing of okay, I, I need to get back because of uh, because of that. Very well, very well. A final touch, a final sweet touch <laughs> to end this conversation. Thank you so much, Yogi. I think we all learned. At least I learned. <laughs> I yeah, hope that our listeners cool. learned as well. Simple. We shared some good tips, and uh, it's always good to 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 see someone that is still passionate after all these years uh, in a in a company. Sure. It's it's amazing. 
And um, yeah, so I hope that our listeners also enjoyed. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Diogo. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you, Diogo. <laughs> And uh, see you in the next episode.